Hosh Galdenes, Bienvenidos, welcome to the Drawing Core podcast. How are you? Are you very well? I hope that you are. I hope that wherever you are, you are at peace with the weather. We had a storm here in the last week. Was very dramatic. Dramatic in the sense that people who are not in the storm are spending their excitement looking at the storm on their phones, looking at pictures of flooded places or checking reports of. Uh, how things are in crisis or coming crashing down or potentially crashing down or maybe not crashing down as much as we hoped they would. It's funny that when the world ends or when society as we know it collapses we'll probably spend a good deal of that shift that time period, that time frame of change, probably spend a good deal of it gossiping about it or looking it up on our phones or um, listening to the news of it happening from inside our houses while we make cups of tea. It's when the tea runs out, that's the crucial moment. So, <clears throat> It, it remains difficult to do one podcast every week, so um, I've I think maybe if you're up for it, we can rather than measure how many podcasts come out per week, we can measure the weeks by the podcasts that pass. So if you think the last podcast was eleven days ago, but as this is a weekly podcast. I suggest that we call that an 11 day week because that way you've had an extra four days we've all had an extra four days so we can chill out like it's very difficult I think we should do a podcast at some point about time um, it's been on my mind a lot recently and one of the things that's very difficult to do is relax like really let time pass without worrying about filling it without needing to validate your time well spent without fear of wasting time just actually letting it go past it's very difficult to do so when something is cancelled and suddenly you have extra time or when you just decide nah fuck it I'm not going to go to that thing then you have this extra time which there is generally I think less pressure on it to be well spent and not wasted because it's so unexpected this is <clears throat> why I'm generally uh, someone who like I would say broadly favours cancelling plans uh, simply because it it liberates that concern about time having to be productive 
so I hope that if we start measuring if we start putting extra days in our weeks because of the um, lateness of the drawing core podcast then we can use that extra time to really just relax and not worry about being productive I think it's very valuable I think it will make the rest of your time more productive anyway not that that is the goal because that would be kind of contradictory I had one such cancelled plan this last week and I watched a horror film the horror film it wasn't especially interesting horror film it was pretty good it's called uh, into the tall no in the tall grass it was mainly about some people lost in grass tall grass and that was very good it's very good when they were just lost in the grass because that was that, that was pretty scary they could hear each other but they couldn't reach each other that was uh, that was the deal and it was pretty pretty freaky pretty easy pretty good device for making you share that feeling of dread uh, but then it got a lot more dramatic and the story developed a lot more and it was ah, it was a bit odd and there's one particular scene where the one of the main characters who is a pregnant woman was threatened with sexual violence by the primary antagonist and it was very unnecessary because we were already pretty fucking scared just being lost in the grass we didn't need um, that kind of trauma to be brought up in order to make us terrified and I think it's very it's a very dangerous device using sexual violence <clears throat> to motivate the plot of a film because essentially in that in that instance it's not really it's not a film about sexual violence the sexual violence is only a, um, a proxy to make you feel something so the victim of the sexual violence is very much not respected because they're only getting subjected to that violence for the sake of moving the plot forward or for the sake of contrivance there's a squirrel outside the window I've never recorded a podcast watching a squirrel before hope that makes other people happy as well it makes me happy it's it's um I've got a, I have got a podcast today like a and actually we've got a one that's almost entirely written except for evidently uh, this part it's difficult to know what to say in an introduction especially when the content of the podcast is very definite because it's, it's written so um, <clears throat> I can introduce the content but I feel like we need we need a bit of chit chat to just ease un- ease into this um, weekly intimacy we have and um, recapping what happened in the week is is uh, is, is possible it's possible I mean uh, are you interested I, I can't I can't get that feedback from you um, be, be more than happy to receive a list of things that you found uninteresting about this podcast and I'll stop doing them. Um, 
otherwise I'll, I'll consider that uh, it's going well, everything's going well. So what did I do this week? The other things I did this week apart from watch a horror film was finish The Mandalorian, the um, Star Wars TV show, I think I mentioned it before, second half, which I watched, I managed to watch them in two kind of blocks, the first half, loved it, the second half, meh, not as good. There's my review. Clunky, clunky plot move movements in the in the in the last closing chapters. Still alright, still good. Liked it. Baby Yoda. Lack of female characters. We did an imbolc ceremony. So imbolc is the midway point between the winter solstice and the spring equinox. So it kind of marks that shift. So spring is coming after in bulk, um, and winter is going away. So in in bulk, you you uh, bring your attention to the seeds, the bulbs, the protogenitors in the soil, which have started to. Uh, spread their roots and have been building their energy over winter have been replenishing their yin and now they will start to work their way up to the surface and in springtime they will come through and we've already seen some flowers coming out here some snowdrops very pretty some daffodils are very pretty and uh, some others very pretty um, so that's nice so that's a kind of looking forward to things happening, gathering your creative and creative passions, I guess, and everything that may cover for you. And yeah, having faith that you are moving out of the hibernation phase of the year and into the active and exciting part of the year. Not quite there yet. We'll have, I'm sure, a spring ceremony in a kind of fashion. The inbox ceremony that uh, we, we made a fire. We brought in the north, the south, the east, and the west. So, uh, or can I remember? The west is uh, associated with water and emotions. The north is associated with fire, which is something. And the south associated with earth, which is kind of your ancestry and your your roots, um, and the east is associated with air, which is uh, your thoughts, as in as in your thoughts which travel on the air. And in bulk is a very air elemental. Ele it's it's a, a festival which is associated with the element of air. So it did a kind of kind of calling to these four um, yeah, elements or just uh, concepts to, to mark the start of our ceremony. We did a little bit of breathing at the beginning, in fact, to kind of feel like this is a thing we're doing, this is a thing. Like breathing into our chest and opening and feeling like, yeah, okay, right, we're starting. That gave us a good feeling to feel like to, to, to understand that this was a, a ritual now. It's theatre, but that transition into the theatre 
is, I mean, you feel a little bit awkward, you feel a little bit, I'm not sure what's gonna going on, or, or this is a bit silly or whatever. So it's good to ground yourself in the theater with a bit of breathing and then bringing in these four things. And then we, uh, we just went around our circle. We drank some ceremonial cacao, which uh, represented the earth because cacao is associated with the earth and this was like some strong shit very good very nice um so we had a little shot of that and because it was very strong and um <clears throat> lit a candle said some words if we, if we wish to say some words um and i read an an, an in bulk poem which um i will Put, I will put online actually and <clears throat> I will uh, link it with this podcast but there's 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 this week that was this week um, more or less the interesting things I hope let's let's get let's do this let's do this it's already been like more than 10 minutes that's quite an introduction and um, we're gonna do some fake facts today we've got 47 fake facts and one real fact um, which is going to be uh, in the middle of the fake facts but I'll tell you that it's the real one um, but you and it is going to be it might be it might be a strain to believe that it's real in between all of the other facts which are which are fake facts but google it if you Google any of the other facts, you'll probably find no information on them because they're fake facts. And it's actually, it's actually a rather interesting and difficult, to some extent, practice to write fake facts. It took quite a lot of time to write these. Um, so we'll, we, we won't, we'll, we'll ease into it. We'll, I'm, I'm with you all the way. You know, don't worry. But this is going to be rather intense uh, relaying of information, and information that's 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 not real. It's not true. For um, I mean, who knows how long it could take? It could take another forty minutes. It'd be a long fucking podcast if it does. Um, but appropriately, our first fake ca- fake fact is is about fake facts, and um, it goes something like the creation and dissemination of fake facts. So what we're doing today, basically. Or, um, so the creation and dissemination of fake facts or false facts or unknowledge, sometimes pejoratively called lying, is the oldest subversive practice. So it's actually been suggested that it also predates any other form of communication with experts pointing to the behavior of animals even those animals categorized as basic on Denham's scale of animal quality. So many basic animals employ a kind of fake facting, usually called bluffing or camouflage, to either attract unsuspecting prey or evade gullible predators. This kind of primitive or prototypical fake facting um, it's still very much used today by humans, even if it's a, in a more evolved form. So, for instance, fake facts might be used 
as a diversionary tactic to shift attention away from more significant, controversial or dangerous realities. So I hope that sows some seeds of doubt in your mind about whether this podcast is really worth listening to. Um, and you're, you're, you might have picked up there that I mentioned Denham's scale of animal quality. And James Denham um, was one of the first to study what we would now call zoology, although Denham himself at the time referred to his subject as animalistics. He developed Denham's scale of animal quality in the early 17th century, and it was thought to be a development of Plato and Aristotle's great chain of being, which by Denham's time had been securely co-opted by the Christian church in order to place all animal species into a hierarchy, rising up and up and up towards God. However, uh, later, his di- Denham's diaries were published and revealed that he was in private a staunchly secular man and in fact wished to create an alternative to this Christian model of species hierarchy, the great chain of being. Um, but he couldn't be uh, particularly outspoken about this of course, um, so inevitably uh, it, his scale just didn't catch on at the time. But after his diaries were published, the zoological community got the point and begun to incorporate it into research, uh, starting from the Renaissance, continuing right up to the present day. So a little more on that theme, um, the zoology theme that is. The, there's the actual title of flightless given to some species of birds, um, you know, which birds are are declared flightless and which are not, measured by whether or not birds of the species in question have been recorded to fly more than seven feet across flat ground. And actually, the measurement of feet is based on the size of Charlemagne's right foot. Um, And Charlemagne, of course, uh, who invaded many of the invaded and conquered many of the countries we now understand as uh, the European continent um, is actually still recognized as the founder of the European Union on the the European Union's website Um, and uh, Europe has the most tomatoes of any continent tomatoes of course used to be triangular in shape much closer to carrots or hang gliders today. It was only after Sargon the Great, who was the first ruler of the Akkadian Empire, um, created the tomato harness, and he made the use of harnesses mandatory across his empire due to a superstition about triangles being unlucky. So tomatoes eventually evolved to take on the more spherical shape that we all know and love today. So there you see, that fake fact was mixed with some real fact uh, about um, Sargon the Great, who was in fact the first ruler of the Akkadian Empire. Uh, so uh, that kind of that kind of uh, manipulation um, makes it even harder for you to really engage or trust anything that you're listening to. So uh, the triangle, uh, you mentioned the tomatoes, 
used to be triangles. Triangle is um, in fact the primary shape. That is to say that all other shapes have been historically understood as combinations of triangles or as being absent of a certain number of triangles. And more recent studies have actually shown that shapes have colours. So squares are blue, assuming that the person who made the square is neurotypical. And a great way to tell if uh, your fish, mollusk or cephalopod is neurotypical without the use of um, magnetic resonance imaging, uh, MRI scans, a good way to tell is to leave a number of randomly sized peppercorns in their tank. And if your fish, mollusk or cephalopod arranges the peppercorns in order of size, shape or density, you can be reasonably sure they are atypical. So you'll notice that uh, these fake facts are varying in length um, and, and probably in quality. Um, so, and, and they also follow on from one another. So we talked about peppercorns. Um, so we're going to jump now into the story behind one of one of the most common and beloved kitchen utensils around um, the pepper grinder so the history of the pepper grinder centers around the pepper grinder rising in 1304 so back then it was some peasants job to grind peppercorns in their teeth for the for use um, by the aristocracy basically so it was supposedly the most hygienic way to grind pepper at the time but of course it was really the intention was to be a symbol of that social hierarchy where these uh, peasant pepper grinders were very much underneath their aristocratic betters so it was not only humiliating but obviously highly unpleasant um, so in 1304 there was a covertly but incredibly efficiently organized rebellion of pepper grinders and July 5th marked the first day of uh, strike action. So the strike continued all through the summer and autumn during which many dishes served to otherwise respectable households were very negatively received and many reputations for uh, culinary skill were damaged. So as you can imagine the trials undergone by the pepper grinders were even worse than the, the than you know than uh, the hardship of the people eating poorly seasoned meals. They received no wage, but um, they were also punished and tortured, and some were executed. But after several months of sustained action, the National Union of Pepper Grinders, which was thought is is one of the first recorded unions in the world. As you can imagine, in the 1300s, actually organizing such a nationwide rebellion, <clears throat> a sort of worldwide rebellion, I think, uh, I don't have all the details, um, it was very impressive feat. So this, then this was one of the first unions, in fact. Um, the pepper grinders were relieved of their duties um, in, the winter of 1304, um, a series of decrees um, made it no longer uh, allowed to um, use humans for grinding pepper and a small compensatory seed fund was given to the union and the union used this to develop 
mechanical grinders which became what we use today and the profits of pepper grinders all around the world still go uh, in a large a large amount still goes to benefit um, lower class populations everywhere the Oreo is the oldest Islamic biscuit in the world tracing its origins back to Kankan Musa Keita of the Mali Empire who ruled from 1312 to 1337 and was known for his controversial yet enduring innovations in cuisine. And Oreos can be ground up in a pepper grinder with just a few peppercorns and mustard seeds allowed to marinate inside a vinegar for two to three months and used as a poor quality but cheap rat repellent. Interestingly, the history of rat repellents goes back to before rats, which if you think about it, is, is very obvious. The first rats evolved from single cell life forms over a million years ago, uh, a, a trajectory that would have logically concluded in the establishment and the inevitable endurance of a rat empire, rats being one of the most successful and resourceful species on the planet, but this future was narrowly averted by Kankan Musakita's industrial scale production of Oreos. There's a series of kind of convoluted, interconnected fake facts there. Um, I imagine that some people who are listening to this probably lost by now. Um, that's fine, that, that's part, part maybe, perhaps that's part of the intention or at least that's a that's a, that's a, a real outcome of this experiment fake facts are as we heard in the beginning all about subversion about breaking the idea of truth and opening up the idea that we can decide ourselves what is true the psychologist um, Domenico Latte famously said empires are a state of mind and the legacies of world civilizations past live on through our determination to annex and colonize our own mental landscapes. Latte suffered from a major revolution in his cerebral cortex and died in 1937 after a two-year period of deterioration and liberation. The ancient proto-psychology of the Mesopotamians divided the mind into six processes thinking, wondering, considering, asking, doubting and shutting down. In the Bible, the number six is the only number to be mentioned as many times as itself, i.e. six times. The Bible, of course, the most notorious publication in the industry of printing due to the fact that the ability to reproduce the religious text en masse with the advent of the, of the printing press democratised the authority that was previously the preserve of the very few elite who were privileged enough to own bookshelves and reading chairs. After the Bible suddenly became available to the common or garden, common or garden Christian 
church authorities became increasingly disturbed and eventually managed to contain all colour copies of the Bible. So what many people don't know is that the colour illustrations in the Bible changed substantially the messages within, including Jesus' skin colour. And those original colour versions of the Bible are now all but lost, although many claim that the Vatican archives contain some copies under strict security. And that's why to this day all photocopiers come black and white as standard and a far smaller number of photocopiers feature the technology to photocopy in colour. And, and the least popular colour is Mesopotamian orange. Recent studies have shown, which is a very good way to start any fact if you want to create your own, recent studies have shown that colours have smells. The colour known as Rasmataz pink smells of aniseed. Aniseed of course constitu constituted of a 22-28% to N-free extract, which is how the 90s electronic music group N-Trance, known for their euphoric classic Set You Free, got their name. That was a short but very convoluted fake fact there. Aniseed is constituted of 22-28% to N-free extract, which is how 90s electronic music group N-Trance, known for their euphoric classic Set You Free, got their name. <coughs> yes. Although the phrase euphoric piano classics is now synonymous with 90s electronic music, especially in the genres of house and hardcore, it was first coined by reviewers of Johann Strauss II's 1882 release Frühlingssteinen, or Voices of Spring. Until the Enlightenment, music not written in the service of religion or spirituality was commonly thought of as subgenre of literature. Ancient Sumerian cannot be spoken, it can only be sung. Language itself is believed to have developed from the attempts of early agricultural communities to speak to animals. It was assumed that language was not a communication tool, but instead a means of expression, which would never be understood by anyone other than the speaker. It was only after a long enough period of copying each other that farmers began to realise they shared a common understanding of such phrases as please lay more eggs and stop eating that, etc. Some radical anthropologists believe that therefore language has lost its original purpose or purposelessness and therefore has been divorced from its essential meaning. However, many of these anthropologists themselves boycott the use of language and so the argument itself is rarely given any attention. I think that's a very, very well-crafted, surreal, fake fact. Um, though, of course, I do say so myself. People drink quicker from cups with no handles. Hypothetical anthropologists, that is to say, anthropologists who are working on predictions for human development, also known as future anthropologists, rather than anthropologists who are themselves hypothetically in existence. 
hypothetical anthropologists have conjectured that as we have overcome our species propensity for violence by outsourcing the impulse to violent video games, we will continue outsourcing our natural faculties into the virtual realm. For example, confining our sex lives within the safety of prosthetic and mechanical toys. <clears throat> Some even predict that we will eventually outsource our capacity to think and spend most of our lives running and playing happily in brightly coloured environments with no sharp edges. Many people who have negative experiences with their partners turn to sex toys as an answer and 83% will continue the rest of their lives content that sex toys are much more emotionally stable and satisfactory than humans. This is also true of asexual people who will generally not use the sex toys for erotic pleasure but still develop healthy mutual bonds with the sex toys. Sadly, for most such relationships, it's usually the case that the sex toys outlive their human partners. Hypothetical anthropologists have also conjectured that as we have overcome the metamorphoses typically present in puberty for species such as frogs and salamanders, by instead using fashion and style as proxy signifiers of our development, we will continue to replace biological processes with proxy signifiers. For example, carrying plastic babies for nine month periods instead of submitting ourselves to the ordeal of conception and pregnancy followed by birth. Some even predict that we will eventually condense almost all our biology into a simple video presentation, at which point our physical form will consist of a brain kept moist in some kind of preservative attached to a monitor or projector. This is going to be <clears throat> rather lengthy podcast, but there are still more fake facts, so let's continue. Salamanders can count to nine. Several unverified reports of rare specimens claim that they have witnessed salamanders counting to 10. Counting to 87 burns more calories than eating 100 grams of celery. Celery, of course, in some parts of the world known as the railway vegetable due to the fact that its original private and secretive cultivation was brought to the attention of the wider world with the completion of the Trans-Siberian Railway. The Trans-Siberian Railway has become such a popular tourist attraction since 1989 that the number of carriages has been steadily growing since, ever since to the point that, considering how far a passenger may have to walk between the platform and their booked carriage, some passengers are walking more than a quarter of the railway's entire length. The Berlin Wall these facts are, are, are going to get more complicated, just so you know. The Berlin Wall was in fact a macrocosmic voodoo doll, representative of the diminutive iron curtain that ran the length of Sergei Esteban's living room in Moscow. Upon waking up and seeing his iron curtain destroyed, its remains strewn about his house and the street, Sergei Esteban shed a single tear.
the UK government will soon be asking citizens to submit expressions and verbalisations that they use in the normal course of their communication. This will establish what is and what is not included under freedom of speech. In some parts of Australia, Nicki Minaj is exempt from all traffic regulations. David Bowie is not dead. He is like, um, he is a, he's a time lord, like Doctor Who. So he is a master of instant reincarnation, as seen in his transformations from Ziggy Stardust to the Thin White Duke to Aladdin Sane. Bowie's latest alter ego is a producer of underground electronic music who wears a mask and whose real identity, David Bowie, is not known. This is the only iteration of David Bowie so far who has not become famous. But why it is normally thought that in 1989 David Bowie was performing as just one member of a band, the band being Tin Machine, in fact one member of Tin Machine was just pretending to be David Bowie. Meanwhile, David Bowie was living in secret under the name Sergei Esteban in Moscow. He was in fact chosen by lottery for the role of observer of the Iron Curtain. Obviously, the Iron Curtain being largely subject to its voodoo doll counterpart in Berlin, there was little for the observer of the Iron Curtain to do other than observe and report back to high command. So in the meantime, Bowie became involved in celery. Until the fall of the Berlin Wall, the most profitable, although highly dangerous, opportunity for those interested in celery was smuggling the vegetable out of Soviet territory and into the West. <coughs> Bowie became deeply involved in the Russian celery mafias, a fact only really proven upon his death when one of the classic Russian celery mafia tattoos, a stylized skull and crossbones, the crossbones of which are celery stalks, was discovered on the back of Bowie's left knee. See that fake fact kind of tied lots of things together there. Uh, lots of other fake facts were um, called back, you know. Um, grass is a kind of knitted pouch that keeps the earth held together. Tomatoes used to be the shape of David Bowie's head after thousands of years of unmolested, unmolested genetic progress. They were found to grow in triangle shapes, this obviously before Sargon the Great's tomato harness. It is therefore surmised that if David Bowie continues to regenerate, he will eventually transform into a triangle or a tomato plant. The controversial survey company, It's True, is based on a widely discredited notion of epistemological relativism, which holds that if enough people believe in something, then it's true. So far they have proved that there is a life after death, that trees falling in a forest with no one around to hear do make a sound, that your love is as deep as an Olympic swimming pool, and most controversially of all, that salamanders can in fact count to 11. Olympic swimming pools are currently two meters deep, but the earliest Olympic games included a who can touch the most bottom competition. The comparative scarcity of swimming pools in ancient Greece 
meant that the early athletes um, ended up competing in a variety of seas, lakes and oceans. The who can touch the most bottom competition was a diving challenge to see which athlete could dive the deepest and still resurface without suffering from death or coma. It's said that the most successful ancient Olympian dove to the very bottom of Beaufort's Dyke, a natural trench in the Irish Sea which is between 200 and 300 metres deep. This is probably not true. It is also said that more than half the competitors in this particular sport died in competition or during training. This is definitely true. So Beaufort's diet, this is, this is the real fact. This is, a, this is an actual fact, the real one. So if you've been holding on through all this time to like get this one piece of real information, then, then this is the moment. So um, listen carefully. Beaufort's Dyke, a natural trench in the Irish Sea, you'll remember from a few seconds ago, it's the United Kingdom's largest offshore, offshore munitions dump with over a million tons of conventional and chemical munitions dumped there so far, including phosgene rockets and phosphorus bombs. So the United Kingdom has dumped over a million tons of weapons in this fucking trench in the Irish Sea. And they're still, still, still dumping as far as I know. Could be dumping right now. Sucks, doesn't it? Hey? See? There might, although other facts have been fake, we have been hopefully calling some things to attention. And if you didn't think that up till this point, then at least we've got one fact which is definitely significant. The surveillance under which we live in the United Kingdom is such that it's very difficult to find out how to make your own phosphorus bombs at home. An internet search is likely to be flagged by your service provider and a browse in a library is equally likely to be noticed um, and there's anyway a high chance that you won't find any books about it. However, police stations all across the country run regular drop-in workshops teaching not only how to make phosphorus bombs but also how to find around the house everything you need to make tear gas and even small police stations have been known to run these workshops so just drop in where you, wherever you are locally and, and ask see it's more political more obviously political now um, you see listening to certain anti-establishment podcasts will put you on a podcast watch list it is very cost-effective um, as far as state initiatives go because by subscribing to those certain podcasts online you effectively sign yourself up for the podcast watch list. It's just the creation of anti-establishment podcasts that is a drain on resources. That was a that was that was that was a subtle and yet complex one, I think. Um, listen back to it if, if you want most corp most big corporations have their own podcast sponsorship deals for example BP's spilling the beans podcasts originally this podcast um, was uh, just discussing the relative merits of different ways to pour different kinds of beans onto the ground but BP picked it up as a podcast in order to 
divert attention away from <clears throat> oil-related news that mostly appeared when you searched BP and spill. So after this investment, Carol March, the host of BP's Spilling the Beans podcast, used the money to stage increasingly elaborate stunts with different kinds of beans. However, the podcast has subsequently declined in listenership due to most of the more elaborate bean-spilling stunts being difficult to enjoy in audio format. This is the last fake fact now. Most big corporations have their own podcast sponsorship deals. <clears throat> it starts the same as the last one, that's a rhetorical device. Most big corporations have their own podcast sponsorship deals. But who are we to assume positions of judgment over these malevolent behemoths of capitalism? It is in fact true of, of us all that our inner motivations are obscured to everyone else. Perhaps some of this madness is a deliberate exaggeration of ugliness designed to inspire us, lead us into action, force us to rebel. Like V or Ozymandias, we need to be cruel to be kind and sincerity no longer holds currency. We must evade and avoid, all the while shepherding each other into the self-realization that turns them against us. We sacrifice ourselves as agents of a greater destiny, one that is fulfilled when you look deep into the eyes of this enterprise of lies and say, you're full of shit. <clears throat> That's 45 minutes. Um, song this week is is uh, Stand By Me by DJ Girl Power. I'm just gonna say goodbye quickly now, leave you there. Um, take care of yourselves, be compassionate to yourself, be compassionate to other people. Opiurimseni. Siviurimseni. Hadi bye bye. Why you look so sad? Tears are in your eyes. Come on and come to me now. Don't be ashamed to cry. Let me see you